huge news, years in the making, my brand new book that my publishers refuse to publish, Money Matrix. Beat the money system and build generational wealth. Understand the three main ways that the banks productize you and make money from you. You'll be able to turn that system against itself, build generational wealth and multiple streams of recurring income. It's all at moneymatrix.cash. And if you're quick, the first few hundred registrants and buyers will receive many special bonuses from me. The brand new Moneymaker Summit three-day special event. Meet me at a champagne reception. Meet me at a multi-millionaire networking dinner. Go now, moneymatrix.cash. This is huge. I look at other players and I wish, there's probably like seven, eight, ten players that I wished I played like. When I watch someone do something, I think, oh, they make it look easy, they make it look good. And I sometimes don't feel like I do, although a lot of people say I do. Ronnie, are you misunderstood? Uh, sometimes, sometimes not. Don't know. Who do you think out there does misunderstand you? Um, actually, the problem is, is that if you don't put your private life out there, you don't document you know, yourself, like, like, like if you look at Tyson Fury a lot of the time before social media come along a lot of, before he kind of posting his videos, everyone was saying, oh, he's this and he's that. And it wasn't until he started doing all these videos and people seeing the real him that people was like, okay, what they say about him and what we actually feel about him and what we see is the complete opposite. So I think Tyson's done a great job at kind of turning that around. I just don't like social media. I don't like technology. <laughs> so probably um, I do sort of get when I meet people, they go, oh, you're not actually how I thought you'd be, you know, I thought I'd be some of this, this violent sort of uh, guy that likes to cause trouble wherever he goes, and then when they meet me, they're like, he's actually quite a gentle, sort of quiet sort of fella, so um, I suppose there is a kind of, I do get that little bit of thing, but, you know, it's, it's all right, it's, it's, it's okay. Mm. And if you, if you were to go on social media and share some stuff like Tyson did, what, I know you wouldn't, but what would that be? Um... What would it be? I just just to be happy, just to enjoy yourself, just to you know, just do things that you're passionate about, really. And I mean, I think you get one life; you want to enjoy it, enjoy it to the, the the most you can. And I've always believed that, you know, if if there's something you're passionate about and you enjoy it, you know, that's that's what you should um, pursue them sort of things, really. You know. Mm. And would you say overall you are happy? Uh, most of the time, most of the time. But everybody has stuff that goes on in their life. You know, everything would be great. Um, ticking along, fantastic, and all of a sudden something can happen, you're like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. But you, then you just have to kind of like, it's life, it's life, you know, you just have to accept it, you know, and, and time heals and, and things like that. So, you know, I've, you know, certain things like when my dad went to prison when I was 15, that was a really difficult one to, to get my head around, you know, um, he was like a real rock solid figure in my life. So to have him gone at 15 was, was tough, you know, because I was just, leaving school, ready to go and play snooker and um, start my professional career. So having to deal with that, you know, it didn't just go away for six months, it went away for 20 years. So I was like, you know, it's going to be a long time before I actually get to see, the, see my dad again or actually spend time with him how I wanted to spend time with him. So well, I'd go and visit him every month and that was great. Um, it took time for me to kind of get over that, if you like. Um, but like you say, time is a, is a good healer. But, you know, I think you, you, you toughen up. Um, I'm a lot, and I think I'm a lot tougher than people think I am, you know, so a lot of times, okay, me, you know, I used to get that one who's quite mentally, you know, fragile, and this and that. I'm anything but mentally fragile. I, you know, I have my moments where I kind of don't want to be somewhere, and I'm okay with that, you know, and, but that comes across as sometimes someone that's a bit mentally weak, but 
you don't get the success that I've had if you're if you're mentally weak. So I kind of just hold on to that one, you know. <laughs> and why do you think people think that you're mentally weak? Then they've got to find a fault with you somewhere. Mm. And I suppose that was probably the they one. They couldn't do it in the snooker, clearly. Well, they could try, but um, <laughs> you know they, they wouldn't have got anywhere. So yeah, I suppose I suppose you, I suppose when you're looking at like someone, you, like, you look at Lionel Messi and you go, yeah, he just doesn't run enough. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, he's just, he hasn't won the World Cup. I'm like, all right, he's still the greatest footballer ever lived. You know, so they're, they're kind of always going to have to try and find something to sort of um, just to pick out, I suppose. Mm. So, you know, mentally weak, okay. Um, but I think I've, I've kind of um, proved I'm not mentally weak. I just kind of, I'm, I'm very good at saying today's not the day and I'm going to go home, have a few beers and wait for the next tournament. Whereas a lot of guys will just tough it out and tough it out. I just think I've got a long career, I've got a long life. I don't need to sweat, sweat over every event, every every game, because um, it's not really that important, you know. So mm. yeah, I just go more with how I'm feeling, and and um, and know that there's going to be a lot of times where I'm going to feel good and feel up for it. So just um, be patient, you know. Mm. Have you still got the same hunger for snooker? Because you've been at the top for a long time. Um, I'd, I've never been hungry for titles. I've never been hungry to prove to anyone or you know I've, I've, what I have been hungry about is that I love the game um, I'm, I'm fascinated with snooker um, I love reinventing myself you know I've come along when I first come along I was probably the most attacking player um, and the game has developed and players have brought new skills because um, they you know they learn from players that have gone before them and they do it better and they bring new skills that they do better than I did. And I've kind of enjoyed just sort of um, trying to become a different player, a better player in many ways. Mm. Um, more of the all-round player, you know, just always learning, just, try, just always trying to um, improve, you know, which is... So there's no end to it. When you're trying to improve, there is no end because even though I've won seven world titles, won this one just recently, I'm, th I'm now thinking, right, how do I kind of keep what I've got there, which was... You know, some of the stuff was, was good, but can I, can I improve it again, you know? Because yeah. mm. if I'm to continue winning, continue to, um, to play the game at the highest level, um, you know, you, you have to find ways of improving. Um, otherwise, what's the point? You know? mm. Is there any major reinvent... Oh, you got a round of applause there from one person. <laughs> um, is there any major reinvention in your career that maybe you're the most proud of or you thought there was a, you know, maybe a hard time where you maybe thought you were losing it a bit and you came back? Um, yeah, I think the biggest turning point for me was probably around about 2011. Um, I was like mid-30s then and by then the two greatest snooker players that had gone before us, Steve Davis and Steve Hendry, they didn't win anything beyond like 33, 34. Mm. So I kind of accepted that that was like the common trend and that was my time and... And then I, I, I started working with a sports psychiatrist, uh, Steve Peters, and um, he just got me excited about playing again, you know. And it was nothing to do with snooker, it was just about changing my mindset. So that was, again, that was interesting. So I'm, I'm always, I like to learn um, different skills and stuff like that. So it might not necessarily be a skill to do with snooker, it could be doing to do with something that will help my snooker. So a lot of it was on the mental side, if you like. and. Just sort of um, understanding why I sort of 
got bored and wanted to get walk out of the venue sometimes. I was like, why is this happening? Please just don't do it tonight. There's <laughs> not any other night. Yeah, it was just frustration. You know, I wasn't good at dealing with frustrations. Right. You know, if the game wasn't going my way, if I wasn't dominating, if I wasn't, you know, bullying my opponent, I used to think, you know, what's going on here? This ain't, this, you know, this ain't, you know, and I used to kind of quit in many ways, but now I don't. I just think, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on the ropes. You know, I'm having to take a few, but I'm just waiting to come off the ropes and then I, and then I whack them with a few, so. And it's just being patient, you know, it's just being patient. And, and that's, 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 that's what I've learned most over the last 10 years, really. So in addition to patience, what would you say? I've got no patience. Okay. But you so learned it. Yeah. Been, so that's what I'm trying to say. I, I can tell you just I fucking interrupted me. I have no patience at all. You know, if there's a queue there, I'm like, yeah, I've, I've been in an airport before, got all the way up the plane. I'm like, get my bags off. I'm going because I'm just saying I, I just haven't got the patience for certain things. Wow. And I don't wait. I don't sit. That doesn't and, make me nervous. <laughs> no, no. I'm just. I was just sort of like I don't drive in traffic jams. I don't. I just. I just. I just refuse to engage in it. You know, time's too precious to be wasting it. So um, I need to be enjoying myself 90% of the time. I allow myself to have 10% of the time where it's not quite going right. But that's about it. <laughs> I fucking really That is about I, I, I actually nearly um, once I was in this car and it was a it was gears and it was, the clutch was so heavy. I was in the middle of Chelsea and I thought I'm literally just gonna get out of this car and just leave it here. And I, but I thought, no, you can't do that because it's gonna cause mayhem. So I phoned up the Audi car, I said, look, I love the car, I said, but this fucking car is like doing wedding with a clutch. I said, you do an automatic, I went great. I said, send me one day, I love it. But I just I've just got no patience, it's sort of like stuff like I just want an easy life. I just love the the easy option, you know what I mean? I know I have to graft some things, but majority of the time I just want it easy. <laughs> I don't think there's nothing wrong with that either. No. But like being the best snooker player in the world for 20 years has got to be like one of the hardest things, not one of the easiest things. It's not things. that hard though. I just have to, <laughs> it's, it's not, it's not, I just have to knuckle down. I just have to knuckle down. I have to be disciplined. I have to do all the things that everybody else has to do to be the best that they can be. But actually once I do all that, it's actually quite easy. I actually know I'm going to win before mm. I've won. Wow. Um, you know, I enjoy the competing. It's just sort of going through the motions a lot of the time. It's like a bit like, you know, when a cat plays with a mice in it, it's sort of like, it knows it's got its prey. But it's just like, you know, we can do this for an hour, two hours. You know, we, we can be here for as long as you like. But um, there's only going to be one outcome, you know. And they don't, it doesn't always feel like that. There are times where I have to graft it out. But, you know, when I'm on, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And then when you're off, how do you get back on? Oh, that's, that's the horrible bit, you know? that's, the bit, that's the bit where I've had to learn, you know, and just suck it up. Suck it up, take it, you know, take the punches and, and know that, you know, as long as you don't let it frustrate you, you know, the quicker the bounce back will be, you know, where a lot of the time it used to frustrate me and I'd kind of get myself into a deeper, deeper hole. And then eventually I'd go so far down that the only way was up, but I've managed to sort of not go so deep there and kind of in that hole and I kind of turn it around and all of a sudden I come out and think, oh, that's good. You know, it's sort of like, so the turnaround happens a lot quicker than it used to, you know, from bad to good. Yeah. And how much hunger have you got to play for how much longer? Uh, uh, if something better come along, I'd probably sort of consider. Um, it's like anyone, you know, if a better option come along, you're in your job and you're just going, oh, I actually quite fancy doing a bit of that. You, you, you know, like if Live Tour for Golf came for snooker, would you? Oh, a million percent, yeah. If you someone just... come along and said, like, we're having 16 players, we're going to have, like, 10 amazing tournaments, yeah, 100%, you know, but that hasn't happened. So, obviously, I have to just 
make do with whatever the situation is. I still love playing, but you know, if someone said to me, you know, there's a there's an opportunity to do something else, you know, um, and I quite like the idea of it. Yeah, I probably you get one life, don't you? Mm. And I've had a good life with snooker, and I would hate to think that all I ever done was play snooker. So at some point, you are looking for your exit strategy to kind of then go, okay, I'm I'm there. I'm, I'm 47 soon. I'm I'm not old, but I'm not young in snooker terms. And um, at some point, you're going to kind of want to go, well, what's my next 20 years look like? And, um, you know, I've kind of, it'd be, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that pans out. You know, because at some point, I'm, I'm not going to be able to compete at snooker, whether, you know, um, you know, I'm going to be too old or the nerves are going to be short or whatever. Some, you know, younger players are going to be that much better. Who knows, you know, but I, I would imagine that that point will come. So uh, that would be the time to kind of get out before, yeah. And have you been planning anything specific? It's hard, you know, because all, all you've ever done is play snooker, you know, and, and, that, and trying to put, put, transfer that skill set into, you know, something else. It, that, it just is sort of like, not like I could just take up golf or tennis and become like a champion at that. It just, it just wouldn't work out. Whereas a lot of other people that go to college, university, they kind of build up this skill set and they, they're kind of transferable to other jobs in a way and other, other stuff that they can do. So as a sportsman, you don't really have that opportunity. So, um, you know, um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no. Listen, I've met a lot of interesting people along the way, and you make some good, you know, some good people. And you know, we're, we're talking about a couple of things now about some stuff to to get involved in, which doesn't involve playing and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so yeah, who knows? And you like property, don't you? Yeah, but it's boring though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like it, but it's boring. It is actually it's boring, really boring. It's safe, yeah. it's boring, but it's okay. I mean, listen, I, I, I would like, I, I watch these shows, you know, home, Homes Under Home, whatever it is, and they get in there. I'd, I'd enjoy that side of it, mm. but just buying, holding, and collecting rent is a bit boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's safe, but it's boring. Mm. Burnout. Have you ever had burnout? How'd you deal with burnout? How'd you get out of burnout? Um, yeah, I had it. I had it. I had it really bad once in 2016. I think it was. I just took on too much work. Um, I don't know. I was listening to some other person. I think it was. Uh, I can't remember. If she, is it, it might have been Jay Lowe. I was reading about her, and she just kept working, kept working, and not having enough sleep. And one day, just woke up and just started having these panic attacks. You know, you don't see it coming, and I think that's what you do when you kind of take on too much and you do too much, and some of it is a lot of stress and pressure. I think it just kind of hits you at some point. So once I, once I had that, and it wasn't, it wasn't great, um, but yeah, a bit of medication sort of that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Come old, to life now. Good old, good old medication. No, it was, it was weird. Cause I was, was it helpful to you then? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I was playing in the World Championships. I think it was 2016. I was playing well as well. I'd done a lot of exhibitions and stuff. My, my diary got screwed up, basically, and I just ended up doing stuff that I, sh I wouldn't have normally done, but I just thought I can't let people down, so I kind of just crammed it all in, got to the World Championships, played my first match, and I just had a bit of a meltdown in the dressing room, and, uh, and my mate just took, took me to the clinic in London. Uh, I had six days or five days between my first and second match, and uh, I, got, I went in this clinic and I just said to the woman, I said, look, I, said, I just need a good night's sleep. I said, I'll be all right. <laughs> Anyways, three days later, I still wasn't <laughs> all right. And she kept coming to me going, look, we want to give you these tablets, this and that. You'll be great. You'll feel good. I went, no, I don't want to take no tablets. I'll just, you know. And I thought, I've got like 48 hours and I'm meant to be playing my next match here. You know what I mean? I thought, you know, she, she, 
I've got nothing to lose, so I went, give me them tablets. And literally within about half an hour, I went, right, I'm ready to go. <laughs> and it was amazing, you know, because I, I was convinced that I just needed some rest. And she was convinced that there was something else going on and just take this couple of pills, one to deal with anxiety and one for something else. And she said, you, you'll be all right. But, um, but yeah, it worked and I kind of come out and went straight to Sheffield and played great. I lost, but I played great. <laughs> yeah, so mm, there you go, played great and lost. <laughs> can happen. Would you rather play great and lose or shit and win? Uh, probably a handful of times I played really well and lost. So I'd rather play well and lose because it doesn't happen very often. Um, playing bad, is I never deal with that pretty well, I never get any satisfaction out of it. So even like when I won tournaments, I kind of just thought, well, I didn't actually enjoy it. And I know I've won the tournament, that's great and brilliant, you know. Because um, a few days later, you kind of sit there and think, well, it don't really matter how I played. But at the time, you know, just for selfish purpose, uh, for reasons, I just like to play well. I like to be able to think that whenever I come to the table, there is nothing that can stop me from doing whatever, you know, just give me a shot. Give me a shot and, I'm, and I'll make it happen. When you're playing bad, it's like you pop one ball, you pop the next, and you pop the next, and you just, it's like one ball at a time. It's like, whereas normally I just come to something, right, I'm going to clear up. Before I've even cleared up, I know it's going to happen. So that feeling, it's like a superpower feeling in a way. And then and the other feeling just makes you feel normal, and you're like, mm, you know, this game's quite difficult. <laughs> and then other days you go, like, this is fucking easy, you know, like, you know, it's just a doddle. So, you know, I much prefer having that feeling of where everything just feels. Like, you know, you can, you can do whatever, whatever, you know, anything, you know. So, I'm sure we've all got our own favourite sporting moments. I'm a mm. Liverpool fan, so when we won the Champions League final, I love cricket, so, you know, some of the Ashes series are immense. But my favourite ever moment in sport is when you started playing left-handed out of nowhere. Oh, OK. Out of nowhere, and I just thought, fucking I've never seen anything like that. How can anyone be that good? left-handed and I know it wasn't taken your opponent felt it was a bit disrespectful I just thought it was wow it was a wow moment for mm. me why why just start fucking playing left-handed um, <laughs> I think you get bored with what, <laughs> no, you, do. You, you, you get bored with what you're doing and then some days you have to go okay I'm, I'm really bored but I love what I'm doing but I need to sort of make it a bit interesting so I go, okay, well, I started putting a few balls left out. I thought, actually, it feels all right, you know. So I started um, doing like an hour a day, two hours a day, because I just wanted to see how good I could get with it. So it kind of, you know, a lot, you know, it's like, I don't know if other people have it with their job or their work, but you just think, oh, you know, and then you give them something different to do. And they go, oh, actually, I'm, you know, so it was just a, a way of sort of like finding that enthusiasm for the game again. Mm. And, um, so yeah, you're kind of always trying to make your work interesting, fun. Um, so yeah, it was just to kind of like deal with the boredom, I suppose. Boredom <laughs> of just potting balls. <laughs> same, same, same. Well, let's try that. It's a bit different, you know. Mm. Keeps it interesting. And then after a while, did it? Did you want to merge it into part of your game? Because obviously certain shots is better, isn't it? I tried. I tried and it was quite difficult. Um, to kind of balance between playing left and right-handed. And I could beat pretty much 99% of the people on the tour doing that, you know. So it was, it was a good get-out-of-jail card for me because I knew that it was, it was reliable. You know, my right, when I played right-handed, I was very, like, hit and miss. But the left hand kind of steadied me up and steady was good enough to beat the majority of players. 
Um, but then I played Stephen Hendry once. I mean, I, I, I played the first time I used it properly was when I played Peter Ebden in the semi-finals of the Premier League. I can't remember what it was, 1997 maybe. And uh, I played the first frame and, I, and I'd lost it playing right-handed. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to get beat here playing like this. There's no chance I'm going to win. I just started playing left-handed and I hammered him 6-1 and I made, <laughs> I made like six, seven breaks over 70. And Willie Fawn always said, he, he said, tells a story. Um, he said, I come in and they said, oh, he's 3-1 up, but he's playing left-handed. <laughs> and Willie Fawn said, oh, I've got to give a bit of stick in the commentary box. He said, but you come out and you went 80, 90, 100. He said, I couldn't say anything. <laughs> so, yeah, and I beat him 6-1. And then the next day I had to play Hendry. And Hendry's a different kettle of fish, because Ebden was kind of like, you know, he's just quite boring. And, you know, it's, it's easy to look good against Ebden, do you know what I mean? Sort of like... <laughs> Pete, he's just watching now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then I played Hendry, he was a different animal. He was, um, he was so fluent, attacking, aggressive, and I tried to play left-handed, and, and so it was like getting that blend right. I still beat Hendry in the final, I think it was 10-7, but I literally played probably 20 or 30% of the match left-handed because that's all I could get away with because <laughs> I needed some flow, you know, so I needed to be have that bounce around the table, I needed to be in his face, I needed to my tempo, you know, I need to, you know, play with a certain amount of instinct as well, because that's what can throw your opponent off as well. Mm. Where the left hand, it just, just steadied me up. So it was kind of like quite nice to try and find that balance. And all through that match, that's all I was trying to do. Because I probably wouldn't have won it if I'd have played all right-handed. Again, the left handed just got me interested in playing. It got me excited about playing. I think that's the key to playing well, is just being excited about wanting to get out there and play, you know? Mm. So you are by far the most successful um, snooker player above 30, 35, 40 and more. Um, unprecedented ground of how successful you are at your age. Is there one more reinvention to come from Ronnie O'Sullivan to stay really at the top of the game for another few years? Um, I don't know. I think, I think where I am at the moment, I'm in a pretty good place, you know, doing, doing all right. So... I just think I just keep chipping away and, and I just want to just enjoy it now, you know what I mean? I just think for my stuff, yeah, just forget about the tiles, forget about that. Just do I, do I love what I'm doing? Am I enjoying it? Is this, is this feeling? Am I, am I excited about travelling? Am I excited about, you know, all that sort of stuff? And as long as I'm still passionate and excited about that sort of stuff, then I'll keep playing. All I said, you know, if you're, if you're playing bad and winning, then it's hard to give up if you're playing... But and, and if you're losing but you're really enjoying it, then that's still good enough reason to keep playing. You know, there's you know, if you look at Jimmy Wyatt you know, for the last ten years he, he hasn't had the best of results, but he loves what he does. A lot of people go, oh, why is he still playing? But I see the passion that he has for the game. I'm like, How can you not want to do something if you truly still love love the game, you know? Mm. So I think I always go back to that, do you love what you do? Are you passionate about what you do? And and if you are then there's that's that's a good enough reason to keep playing, you know. Mm. Outside of the game, what things do you do that really helps your game? Um, uh, I don't know really. I think I think like trying to just stay like for me, just just having a bit of discipline, like going to bed sensible time, get up early, you know, eat good food, try, try and do some sort of physical, you know, just lead a. You're still doing a lot of your running. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, I always trying to do do something. You know, I like my food, so if I don't train. You know, I, I tend to get pretty big, so 
I don't feel good when I'm big, put my suit on, I'm sort of like struggling around. So mm. it's always good to try and feel good you know, when I go out there to play. And you know, I think that, that that's a massive help. You know? mm. And is there one thing outside of the game that if you do it, it really hurts your game? Like the opposite of that? Um, hurts my game. Uh, sometimes I over-exercise and train, you know, and then I'm like sitting in my chair and thinking, oh, I just don't want to get in my chair. <laughs> I just want to go to sleep. <laughs> Because I'm quite an addictive person, so once I get into something, I'm not, you know, I get really, it can take me over. Mm. And it sort of like gets a bit out of control. So like there was one time I was at this tournament, I was training twice a day in the gym. I just thought, oh, I'm feeling so good. The time I come to play my game, I, I literally, my legs were so heavy and gone, I just didn't even want to get out of the chair. And I just thought, mm, yeah, overdone it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I try, I'm trying to try and be careful that way. Yeah. Mm. Does money make you happy? Um, my mate said, money doesn't make you happy, but you can choose where you want to be miserable. That <laughs> <laughs> was quite a good line. Yeah. Nah, nah, it, it, it just gives you choices at the end of the day. Mm. It just gives you choices, yeah. I mean, listen, I, I love, um, I've never played a game of snooker and once thought about, oh, if I win this, I get paid this. Uh, so for me, the most important, obviously the most important thing is the game, the accomplishment, the, the feeling you get from competing and playing well and, you know, all that sort of stuff comes first, you know. As a consequence of that, if you get paid, great. But um, yeah, I think it's, it's 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 nice to have, you know. Mm. But it shouldn't rule you. And you know, you said if the right offer came along or the right money came along, you might quit snooker. What's that figure? What's the walk away figure? Uh, We've all got one, haven't we? Figure. Oh, I, know. I hate talking about money. It's not nice. That's thing. why I like asking you about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, I don't, I don't, it's not nice. I don't. I don't, I don't like talking about that sort of money sort of stuff. I think it's kind of weird. Why? I don't know. I just think, I don't know. I don't know. No. Sorry. That's all right. Sorry. It's all good. I kind of just want to sit no, in just, this Do you know what it is? I just think there's a lot of people that are struggling, you know, that like life, you know, financially for whatever. And I think it's, um, yeah. I think I get, I've, I've had a good enough life and I don't, I'm not, I don't want to get, you know, there's a lot of people that find it hard to, I mean, I wouldn't want to kind of talk about that sort of mm. stuff, really. What about freedom of speech? Do you, how, where do you think we are in the world now with freedom of speech? Um, it's like a new language, isn't it, really, sometimes, you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of stuff, I, I might say something, my daughter would go, you can't say that, Daddy. I'm like, why? You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's kind of like a new sort of way of being. How old is your daughter? Uh, 16. Mm. Well, I get it, but yeah, I mean, that's why I don't go on social media because one bad word, one bad this one, you know, you don't get that right, you know, it's sort of, so I sort of like try and stay away from it. And um, yeah, I think it's, it's just common sense, isn't it? Freedom of speech, really, you know, it's just try not harm other people, just try and be a bit diplomatic if you can. And, and that's like a minefield, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah. It, it can be a minefield, really. But, you know, it's sort of, there are consequences, I suppose, to what you say and what you do. and what you say can affect somebody else. So you kind of, I've learned to be mindful that there is a bigger picture. And sometimes, a lot of times I've said things just to sort of, you know, get back at someone, but then you kind of go, okay, well, you know, maybe I should see the bigger picture and, you know, understand why they might get frustrated with what I say. So sometimes it's best to keep your mouth shut, be quiet, and just sort of um, try not antagonize or whatever. Mm. But I can understand why people do. But I've learned that that's not the right way to, to go about it. You know? Just trying, yeah. So you've never really felt like you've missed out by 
not using social media more because you probably could have built a massive following and then maybe had an asset for when you leave snooker. Yeah, nah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time for that, but I just think um, my life's a lot better when I'm just, you know, just focusing what I need to do and just blocking out certain things. Um, if my business required me to sort of be out there and show myself a bit more and that was benefit my business, then I'd kind of go, you know what, I see the, the plus side of it, but my sport is about keeping a clear mind, a clear head, you know, trying to block out as many distractions as you can. I can't think of anything more distractive than social media. I've never been on Facebook. I've never kind of indulged in it. I had a little dabble with Twitter. I found myself arguing with this snooker player for three hours. And I'm like, my, ki my kids will stare me for the weekend. I'm thinking, I've been sitting there arguing with this complete bellend for three hours. And I've like, you know, I've not even spent no time with my kids. And I was like, I can't do it. You know, I was like, boom, get me off of there. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like, you know, but like, I, I get that people need to do it. And it's, it's, a, it's a great tool for business and whatever they might be doing. But for me, um, I'm paid to be clear headed perform well at an optimal level and distractions like that probably would stop me from being you know reaching the highest highest levels don't get me wrong i have to sometimes engage a little bit for it you know for shows or whatever it is sponsors sponsors love it oh they want to see how many followers you've got and i'll get somebody else to post and you know i think there's about six or seven people that have got my password and card i don't even know what it is <laughs> just, just let them do it <laughs> what excites you the most ronnie uh, what do you mean excites me the most? Sort of, I don't get really excited to be honest with you, but the one thing that really, really sort of, it's like, um, that re really makes me happy is when I'm playing well. <laughs> it really does. I get so off it. Oh. But then that can be quite um, unhealthy as well because if you're not playing well, you can kind of, so it can get you down. So it's learning how to sort of like not define yourself. You know, a lot of time I used to define myself as playing well. I was confident, I was playing bad, I was like, you know, oh, the confidence would go. So it's kind of learning how to just sort of not let it define you. But yeah, I suppose the, the biggest pleasure as I've ever had is when I'm out there playing, playing really well. Just, yeah, snooker has brought me my most happiness, I suppose. Mm. And, and what worries you the most? Um, what worries me the most? What am I going to do after snooker? Um, just because it's sort of like, that's all I've ever done, you know. Since I was eight, you know, I'm 46 now, so what, 38 years. You're getting younger, you said 47, <laughs> Well, 47 in December, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I kind of like, that, that worries me because I took a year out from playing once and I was lost. I was like, shit. You know, I had no direction, no purpose, getting lazy. And I thought, I need snooker just to kind of like get me out of bed in the morning. So it was kind of like having that to do and it's like what is that next thing to do beyond snooker so it does worry me a little bit I must admit that is one of the things I think you know how do you make that transition you know I don't know mm. that's scary mm. I don't know but I'll find something I'm good at finding something <laughs> what's the biggest risk you've ever taken uh, biggest risk oh hmm the biggest risk trying to get away from a police car <laughs> on the M3 at about one o'clock in the morning coming back from Bournemouth because I was driving, I was doing about 120 and I see this, this, this police car on the, on the gander 
I see him move off, I thought, that's a, that's a cop car, mate, isn't it? You know what I mean? So I walloped, I put my foot down. I got up to about 160 and I could see him trying to chase me. But I thought, I'm gone there, you know what I mean? I've just, I've just got to find the next exit, pull over, throw the keys and just go for a walk. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a risk. So anyway, I'm, lo- I'm, I'm looking for this exit side. All of a sudden, I just see two blue lights up ahead. They've blocked the motorway off. I thought, fuck, I'm screwed here. <laughs> so um, I got out of the car and I said, uh, he's feeling me tyres, pulled the engines out. It was fucking um, steam coming off of him. They said, we were doing 150 and you was getting away from us. <laughs> I was like, fuck, I said, there's uh, a couple of tickets to Dubai, Sam, come watch the duty, but we can't, mate. He said, we've called the helicopters out there, we? <laughs> I went, fair cop, mate. <laughs> so that was like probably the biggest risk, but it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it was good, it was good. <laughs> yeah. uh, how did that end? Did you get busted? Big... I got barred, yeah, I got banned for a year, yeah. A year? Yeah. <laughs> I've had three of them. <laughs> I've had three big bands. Yeah. But no, I actually went on a speed. My mate said to me, he said, look, you love driving, love your cars. And he made me go out and driving speed awareness course with his fella. So I had like, all in total, probably about 20 hours in the car with his fella. And since that day, I haven't had a point on my license. So, yeah, I was a bit of a nutcase. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is your biggest success? My biggest success? Um, it's got to be. Uh, when you say success, is it sort However of. you want. Mm. It can be snooker, it can be life, however you want to answer it. Um, biggest success? I don't know. Uh, I think um, oh, it's hard, isn't it? I don't, I don't see like I've had success really. I just, I just feel like you do what you do, don't you? You know, you play snooker, I don't see it as like, oh, I was successful at that. I don't know. It's a hard, hard one to answer, really. Um, We've got time. Mm. It's got to be, um, I suppose the turnaround from 2009-2010 where I didn't win much because I had personal problems going on and I thought, oh, this, like, it was going from bad to worse and then I linked up with Steve Peters and like I said, he, he got me my enthusiasm to play and I think my biggest success was committing to it not getting the results for 12 months. I, kinda, I was playing matches where I thought, I'm playing well and I'm getting beaten. I was kinda, and I was at the point where halfway, you know, six months through. So I started working with Steve, say, on January the 1st. Six months later, wasn't really getting the results that I thought my game deserved. So I started doubting myself, but I just stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it. And then all of a sudden, a year on from when I first started working with Steve, I go to the World Championships. And I win the World Championships, played the best snooker I've ever, ever played. And that was probably my biggest success, not winning the World Championships, but just having, having learned to have the resilience to not give up, to keep going. And um, yeah, I think that was like my biggest reward. You know, you know when you kind of like, you put a lot of effort in and you don't really get the reward out of it. But actually to, to stick at it, um, which wasn't like me, you know, normally I'd just quit and go, it's not happening. Yeah. But I kind of, I was probably more proud that I was able to, stick at it and show, show some resilience, you know. Mm. So whether it was with Dr. Steve Peters or what you learned yourself, mm. what would you say you've learned about mindset that's really helped you? Um, 
just listen. I'm always going to be a warrior. I've I've accepted that. You know, every time I go and play, I always think I'm never going to win. I'm never going to, you know, I'm never going to be as good as the other guys and stuff like that. I always doubt. You know, I have a lot, of, quite a lot of self doubt. Um, but it's, once I get onto the table, that self doubt goes, um, which is quite weird, really. How I can't kind of convince myself that you know I'm actually all right at this game. So, <laughs> how many more titles do you need? For yeah, that? that's what I'm saying. It just yeah. never goes. So it's kind of like having to deal with that sort of that negative voice in your head, you know. Um, so yeah, that's that's sort of that's sort of yeah. Suppose, what what the question was now? That's alright. Sorry, mate. Just babbling. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest failure? Biggest failure. Um, biggest failure. Uh, See, I don't see it like I've had like success and failures. It's kind of like I look at it over such like I look at my my success and failures as one like a thirty year period. I've never judged myself on one performance or do you know what I mean? It's sort of like and I always think that a lot of my failures have just been little obstacles that have been put there to test you. And it's kind of like, am I prepared to try and come through them? Um, and if you love something enough, then you're prepared to sort of you know, grind it out if that, if that's what it takes to to kind of come through it. So failures, like like I say, a lot of my failures. So take my failures, like my biggest success, come off the back of my biggest failure. You know, so without that failure, I probably wouldn't have got to meet Steve Peters. Do you get what I'm saying? So it's kind of like I just see like one door opens, closes, and that one opens, and it's just like you know, you just. So really, yeah, they kind of like um. <coughs> In, in many ways, I suppose my biggest failure led me to my biggest success in a way, you know? Mm. Sort of the, the tough times, seats, maybe seek someone else that could maybe help me mm. and become a better, a better thinker, better mentally, which enabled me to play better snooker and, and, and continue to have like a longevity in my career, you know? Mm. Mm. What's the best advice you ever remember receiving? Best advice I've ever received. Um, it's all right receiving the good advice. It's it's kind of implemented in your life, isn't it? So we hear a lot of good sayings a lot of the time, and uh, and there was there was one the other day. I was walking through Dublin Airport and had all these little sayings. And one said, "It's not about surviving the storm; it's about learning how to dance in the rain." And I kind of thought, you know, that was quite interesting, really. That you know, it's sort of you know, when the sh when the shit's happening, can you still put a smile on your face and kind of just you know. You know, and I, and I respect people that came to it. I'm not the best at doing it. If I'm a little bit whatever, you can see it on me. Where some people they're going through a hard time and they're just like bouncing along. I think, wow, you're you're, you're unbelievable. You know, if I was going through that, I'd be you know it'd, it'd probably floor me. So I think learning how to sort of smile and kind of not take two things too seriously is um, is a good lesson. I think. Like Steve Peters always says to me at the end of every conversation. Keep smiling. <laughs> it's true, you know, just keep smiling. Laughter's good, you know. Mm. Mm. What's the worst advice you can ever remember receiving? <laughs> worst advice? Uh, 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 oh. I don't know. Um, I'm not really good at taking advice, though. No. So a lot of people give me advice, and I go, yeah, 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 but I'm thinking, oh, I mean, I have this good one ear and out the other. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of people out there who've got a lot of good advice, you know what I mean? And um, so, yeah, I don't really sort of. Um, did you say what's the, the best advice? The worst we did, advice? We already did the okay, best we've advice. We've already done the best yeah. one, the worst. <laughs> yeah. 
getting confused here. Uh, the worst advice. Um, oh, yeah. Probably from my dad, but I can't say why. <laughs> uh, he's giving me some shit advice. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I Give us something. I had something. to remind him of it the other day. I said, never take advice of you again in that department. <laughs> and he, he just sent a load of smiley faces, laughing faces, because, yeah, yeah. But no, he's, he's giving me a load of great advice. Mm. But I, I, I realise that we're such different characters that what's right for him is not right for me. So you go, oh, yeah, do this, do that, da 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 and it's like, you can deal with the consequences of behaving like that. I wouldn't be able to. If I was to behave like you, the consequences, I'd be like, not for me. So we're very different characters. So what his advice would be for me, you know, is uh, we're, we're different, you know. Mm. He's like, fight fire with fire. And I'm like, if fire comes towards me, I want to like put it out with a bit of water. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So we kind of have to do things differently. And I realised that, you know, because like he, that was another thing he said to me once when I was younger. He was in prison. I was only 17. And he, he said, I, he's, I just played in the UK Championships, the first tournament I actually won. And I, was t- I talked to him on the phone afterwards. And he'd go, you got Davis tomorrow, you? And I go, yeah. He went, take his fucking head off. <laughs> and I, I went, oh, I, oh, no, I, okay. And I thought, okay, so when I went in the press conference, he said, you've got Steve David. I went, yeah, I'm going to take his head off. <laughs> and when I spoke to my dad, he went, I didn't mean you to go and say that to me. <laughs> so I was quite, I don't know what the word is for it, but I'm quite, I take things quite literally. <laughs> so I decided then it's not good to like, I listen, but then, you know, just do, do what you feel comfortable with. You know? I didn't really want to take his head off. No. Did I, just you wanted, I just wanted to beat him at a game of Stooky. <laughs> yeah. It's not did that you, type of sport. Did you win that game? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, that's all right, man. <laughs> What's the best investment you've ever made? Uh, I suppose the best investment of you is, is, is in yourself. I think a lot of people, you know, if you, you look at it in different ways, you know. Um, but I think the, how you invest your time in yourself and, yeah, I think that's, that's the most important thing we've got, you know. Mm. I think just, yeah, just how you navigate your way through life. Uh, just, yeah. Stuff like that, I think. Do you have a biggest regret? Uh, biggest regret? I think my biggest regret, to be honest with you, that I chose snooker instead of maybe driving, Formula One, golf, tennis, football, you know, them type of sports. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would, I'd like to have been me in another sport. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I'd, I'd like to have been like, say, Roger Federer. Give me like that career or give me... Like in Verstappen's career, you know, like in that, in that sport, you know, snooker, it's sort of like, it, it's not a great, you know, we play in a, go a lot of fucking shitholes, really, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I get there, I think, oh, what? Do you know what I mean? <sighs> so, but it is, it's the sport I chose, but if, the, if I would have, um, I would like to have been very good at, you know, me, but in another sport. And which one, if you had to choose one, would it be? Probably Formula One. Yeah. Yeah. And who's, who's your favourite driver of all time? Uh, Senna. Senna, Senna was my favourite. And still probably, yeah, still is. I like Verstappen. Similar sort of style, driving, aggressive. Yeah. But yeah, that, that'd be my style mm. if I was driving. <laughs> yeah. Ram him off the track. <laughs> Get out of the way. What do you want your legacy to be and how you're remembered? I don't know, really. I just... I... I, I I look at other players and I, I wish there's probably like seven, eight, ten players that I wished I played like. So for me, it's like when I watch someone do something, I think, oh, they make it look easy, they make it look good, do you know what I mean? And I sometimes don't feel like I do, although a lot of people say I do. Um, the game, it can be a bit of an effort for me to find that sort of, you know, to, to 
you know, I'm, I'm very hit and miss, basically. So if I'm on, brilliant. If I'm off, you know, I can tough it out, but it's not my style, really. Um, but I think, you know, some of the... There's been times in my career when I look back and I just think, you know, I was, I was flying then, you know. I was like, you know, it was as good as it could get, you know. And just to have them moments on the table over such a long period of time, um, you know, because anyone can win a world title once. I'd say anyone, you know, any top 30 professional, possibly twice. But to win it seven times, to win the UK seven times, win the Masters seven times, to win all these tournaments, to keep coming back, you know, competing against younger, great players, you know, and, 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 and you know, that, that for me is probably my greatest sort of legacy, I suppose, in many ways. The late Shane Warne said that... Um how you play the game is as important as how good you are at the game. Yeah, I totally agree with it. You'd agree with that? <laughs> yeah, I think it's how you play the game. You know, I always, Stephen Hendry taught me so much. Um, not, not like we sit down and talk, I observed. You know, I, I, you know I would, I, he wasn't going to give me that privilege to kind of educate me, you know, and, and why should he? You mm. know, so for me, it was like, this is the greatest snooker player has ever been. I just have to watch, observe, what is he doing, you know, and some of it was off the table, a lot of it was on the table, and my biggest lesson came in, I can't remember what year it was, we played in the semi-finals, and we had a cracking match, and it got to the final session, and he just sort of, he just played a different, different game, I was like, fucking hell, mate, you know what I mean, I, I went one way, he went the other, and that, that was the biggest lesson that I'd had in snooker, and I then went away and realised that if I was to be where play the game, Harry, and win the titles. You know, when it when it gets to the crunch, because anyone can play well for three rounds of golf, but when it comes to the final round, you've got to do it. A lot of them bail out. Do you know what I mean? And that's the difference between great champions that win a lot and people that still win but don't. You know, like Tiger Woods at golf. If he was in the mix coming down, you go, it's, it's done. You know what I mean? They're all going to collapse. You know, um, but he wouldn't. And Hendry was like that. And I had to realise that I had to play a certain way when it got to them crunch moments. And from that day onwards, I changed as a player. My mentality changed and I became more like him. And um, so, yeah, I think that was like the biggest sort of lesson for me really in snooker. And when you, say, when you say it got to those moments you had to play a different way, what was that? Well, he just way? got more aggressive right. in the most intense pressure situations where I'm sitting there thinking, oh, I don't want to make a mistake. He was just going for shots that I just was sitting there thinking, yeah, go for it. But he got them. <laughs> and he kept getting them, and he kept getting them, and, and that and that that was that was what made him, you know, turn, you know, made him such a great champion. And then I watched other sports. So I didn't just watch snooker. Then I'd kind of go, okay, well he's the king of our sport, and he does X, Y, and Z. And I watch other sports, and they're the king of their sport because they do it. And it's just it's hard to do. It's hard to go. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna like you know turn the heat up when it's really like you know a crucial part of the game. So we watched the golf last week, and I know McElroy was four up, and the other guy was four up. But they, you know they were they were nursing a lead. You could mm. just see it. It was like you know, and all of a sudden they forget about the guy that's coming. You know, and all of a sudden it's too late. And it's like, well, you don't play the scoreboard. You don't you know you just play the golf course. You just don't you know forget who's around you. you know, I'm 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 here, and I'm and I'm just you know. So I, I see it in other sports where they call it choking, um, and that's what a lot of sports people do. You know, they they're good. They win tournaments. You know, they have their day. But it's about having your day when you're not feeling good and it ain't going your way. You kind of make it happen, and that's what Hendry was, but was better than anybody at doing. You know. 
You said you learned stuff from him off the table. What was yeah. the off the table stuff? Well, the biggest lesson for me was um, he lost in a tournament. He was in Birmingham and he lost, I think, in the quarterfinals or something. And then the next tournament was in Thailand. And the next morning, I'd come into practice, and at 10 o'clock in the morning, he was on the practice table for two hours before he got his connecting flight. And I was like, Phew. you know, if I, at that time, if I lost, I was in the bar having a drink, having, da -da -da -da, having a good time, and, you know, I wouldn't look at snooker table for two days. Mm. And I was just like, I was just, how do you do that, you know? And it was just his discipline, his professionalism, um, as well as his great ability, you know, because he had a lot, of, tons of ability. Um, but just kind of like, he just kind of turned him into this winning machine, you know? And, and, and probably a lot of that was to do with his manager, who was a very tough Scotsman, who wouldn't allow him to socialise with certain people. You know, there, there was a rule, you're in at 10 o'clock, you go home at five o'clock, Monday to Friday, it's a job. You know, a lot of players turn up, play on a fruit machine, have, some, have a laugh and a joke. Hendry never done any of that. Mm. So I kind of learned that, you know, if you wanted to be like him um, and have his success, then I had to adopt a lot of his lifestyle habits, if you like, you know? Mm. And is there any snooker player that you saw that was doing that on you, learning from you and you all of a sudden? Yeah. Who, I, who would you say? Yeah, listen, I, 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 you don't notice people watching you, but they are. And obviously, like a lot of players, you know, I read interviews about it and they go, no one practices hard as Ronnie, no one does this more than Ronnie. So obviously they're watching or they talk or they, you know, and that's fine. You know, I, I would, I want to be able to lead a good example for other snooker players. I want them to know that, you know, because it's like, you know, this, this thing, they go, oh, that's right, he's, he's talented and he just gets out of bed and plays. No, it doesn't work like that, you know. I have to put in the hard graft, I have to do a lot of the stuff, and it's good that I think other snooker players recognise that and kind of respect you more for that side than just your talent, you know, because talent is, you're born with that maybe, you know, you get that gift, but, you know, hard work and discipline is about motivating yourself and, and kind of doing stuff that when you, you probably don't feel like doing it, you know, so... You know, that, that was, you know, that had to be instilled in me as well. So my dad was, was very good at sort of, you know, making me into that sort of person. But then when he went to prison, I just lost my way. But then I had to kind of, as it happens, Peter helped me. As it happens. One of the biggest lessons I had was with Peter as well. When I first met Peter, um, I went to his house in Brighton. And uh, it was lovely. It was, he was out in the middle of the country somewhere. And he put a Michael Jordan video on. And he just walked out the room and left me there for about three hours. I watched three hours of Michael Jordan and just had this fellow, just like this skinny kid that was like just about make the make the college team to like in the gym, shooting for two, three hours after everybody had gone home, just honing his skill in. At the end of it, I was like, I've got work to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? This is Michael Jordan, some skinny little kid that wasn't the best in his college, but become the greatest basketball player of all time. So... Ability, yeah, he had some sort of ability, but it was the hard work, it was the discipline, it was the, 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 the commitment um, to keep doing it. And, and like that's, that was one of the biggest lessons I had, mm. for, you know, from, from Peter, it was great, you know, and I kind of, from that day onwards, I kind of like, I got serious about, you know, changing my lifestyle, if you like, you know. Mm. Not becoming boring, but just becoming more, you know, into my sport, you know. Mm. Yeah, covering every base, you know. Mm. So I didn't say this at the start because I just wanted to get you on because everyone's here for you. But I want to say it now. I think it's really amazing what you've done coming here, doing all the photos, mm. giving your time. Obviously, we're all here supporting Pete and Hannah. Mm. I just think that's really amazing mm. that you've done that. Mm. So could we all give Ronnie O'Sullivan a huge round of applause? <laughs>